This last July, Heather and I took four of our kids to Port Townsend and then a little trip to Port Ludlow. And we did some kayaking. It was pretty cool. Of course, you know, you start out in a marina and then we paddled our way out. And if, if you've been to a marina, uh, you know that the water is just stagnant and fouled by engines and garbage and dead sea creatures. It's, it's no reason to not go to a marina, but it's a good reason to leave it when, when you're heading out on a boat. You know, it's sheltered from the big waves and the wind, and that's the whole point, right? Everything is pretty still. And I just want us to think about Christians as boats today. Some, some Christians are like these boats sitting in the marina. Maybe um, you've got all the comforts of home while in the harbor, <laughs> uh, but you're not enjoying the purpose for which you were made. So what does it look like to be uh, transformed? What, what does it take to be transformed from a, a good-looking boat in the harbor? Well, I mean, that's fabulous. Uh, a home away from home into a sailboat. Well, I think we know it intuitively, right? We push away from the dock, we untie the sails, and we raise them to catch the wind. And some of you today need to push away from the dock and the allure of just uh, having all those things right close to home. But it's keeping us captive, keeping you tied to the dock. And then you need to admit that the selfish, independent nature, that's an acronym for sin, selfish, independent nature, uh, that's kept you dormant, you know. Just, just admit those sins and untie the sails. And then you need to raise the sails and catch the wind of the Spirit to bring about the transformation uh, from a boat to a sailboat, to actually sail, uh, to be personally transformed by the Spirit, yeah, of God, yeah. But then to be part of the transformation of the nations, ultimately. In Acts 10, the announcement is going out. We've been looking at this, uh, the, the main point of Acts is that, that you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we have Cornelius in Caesarea in chapter 10. And, and Caesarea is a long distance geographically from the ends of the earth, but not culturally distant from either Britain or, or Egypt or Persia or Spain. It's all part of the Roman Empire now. And so the crowd is gathered around. It's full of interested neighbors of Israel. They were, they were familiar with, with Jew, Judaism. They were responsive to the light that they had been given and ready to hear what Yahweh had to say to them. So let's let's look at the passage here. Let's start in Acts 10, 34. Um, if you need to pause this and catch up on, on the reading of Acts chapter 10, feel free to do that. But here we have the crowd gathered. What do you have to say to us? Why did why did Yahweh send angels and 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 direct us all to this point. What is going on? He's gathered everybody around, family, friends, neighbors, staff, um, soldiers. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Dean, Dean Pinter says, The fact that God does not show favoritism is not just a cold assertion. God doesn't play favorites. It, it actually implies that God is relational. If anyone wants God, God is open to receive him or her. 
I want you to think about that. Do you, do you want God? That's part of putting up the sails. Do you want him? He's open to receive you. But, but is Peter saying, okay, well, you know, God receives everybody. So um, if you fear God and do good works, um, you're part of the family, right? No, actually, there's something more. Well, that's the whole point of the gathering, right? Well, what's more? What's, what's missing? Well, what's missing is salvation, the filling of the Spirit. And some of you fall into this category uh, because churches, I, I know this because churches are full of good people who fear God and, and do good things. I mean, we gather, we gather around the good things that we do. Is there anything wrong with that? No, but is there something more? Oh, something deeper, yeah. So Peter's reflecting that, that God honors the place where they were at, where you're at. And it's a good start to finding the truth. But the truth is, the truth is out there. <laughs> the truth is further on. Actually, he's giving them the announcement that, that all these God-fearing people, all of us God-fearing people need to know. And here's, here's his message. As for the word, the Logos, that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus the Christ. He's Lord of all. Now, oh wait, who does it say was preaching? A little trivia. Who was preaching? Well, it says that Yahweh was preaching. Gospeling is really the word there, evangelizing. He was gospeling. Yahweh was gospeling or preaching good news of peace, evangelizing peace is what the literally it says, through Jesus to Israel. Yahweh through Jesus to Israel. And we can, we can never leave out the Jewish origin of the good news, or it doesn't really make sense. But the goal of the good news is to everyone because he is, what, Lord of all. The Hebrew scriptures say that the Father will send his word, his logos, his message, which is Jesus, the word. And he announces victory over demonic forces and and peace with the Father himself. It was Yahweh who was preaching the good news because Jesus only said and did what the Father told him to say and do. Does that make sense? So so how could it be Yahweh preaching and Jesus preaching? Well, because Jesus... The Son only did what the Father told him to say and told him to do. That's, that's a picture of faithful living in the kingdom of God. And I know that's what you desire. I know you desire to be faithful in the kingdom of God. And so, um, so a pesky pastor question, or as I've been told, to just an acronym, PPQ. <laughs> Is that the same filter for your life? Today, I will only say and do what the Father tells me to say and do. God help me, right? Is that your filter? I, 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 only, I, I will take only as directed. I will only go as directed by the Father himself. Because Yahweh still wants to get the word out of you. <laughs> right? Because he's placed the word in us and he wants it to go out. So what was he announcing? He was announcing, what was Jesus announcing? The, the coming kingdom. And what do we announce? The, the gospel, that the kingdom has begun. Something cataclysmic has changed about the nature of the world. There's a new Lord. We announce this message. Jesus is Lord of all. And so what do we pray? Well, we pray, 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, starting with this life right here. So that's, that's the filter. Just like Jesus did, that's what we do. Interesting, isn't it, that Peter is not saying, and Jesus did not say, that there are no other lords. He didn't say, throw away all those other people, no government, anarchy, Jesus is, is the only Lord. He didn't say that. I mean, Peter wasn't in denial that Caesar is Lord over the land, and neither would Cornelius. He's a decorated military Roman centurion. Caesar is Lord, but Jesus is what? The Lord of all lords, the King of kings. This is, I think this is helpful. Think, think with me about this. The lords of the earth are in place because the Lord of all has exalted them for a season. God knows who's going to be the Pharaoh in Egypt, and he can use that. He knows who's going to be the queen of Ethiopia. He's going to use that. The kings of Babylon, Persia, Media. Yes, the, the Caesars, the Kaisers, the Tsars, all the same word, right? Even presidents and prime ministers are lords of their lands, but Jesus is the eternal Lord of all. <laughs> That's a lot of accountability. See, Caesar is in charge of the known world, but he reports to another, whether he knows it or not. And if Caesar doesn't rule faithfully, uphold justice, care for the poor mercifully. Yahweh will take out this upstart rival when his time is up. He is Lord of all. So, so let, me, let me go back. As for the word that he sent to Israel, Yahweh, preaching good news of peace through Jesus the Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea. You, you guys know, your neighbors of Israel. Your, these Gentiles, this specific group, was fully aware of the Jewish story. Peter affirms that. Parts, at least parts of the Jewish story, um, and, and the Jesus story, just parts of the Jesus story. So, so let's say they knew the story, they knew the facts, they knew about Jesus. Well, you know what happened throughout Judea. But just because they knew about Jesus, that, that certainly doesn't mean they knew Jesus, right? So, so here's a, another PPQ. Do you know Jesus? I know, I know you know about him, you're here, you're, here, you're listening, you're, you're interacting. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Do you delight in Jesus? Do you adore him back? <laughs> I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. He is so good. And, and, and the lifestyle that he leads us into is good, but, but I have a caution here as well. And we'll talk more about this later, but Jesus values, you know, like, oh, do right by one another, the golden rule, um, you know, this morality, this morality. Jesus values without Jesus' spirit, though, leads to trouble, right? The good, the good God-fearing people who do good stuff um, without Jesus' spirit leads to trouble. More on that later. So, so you all know what happened. You know, you know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
anointed is that is that that's how he becomes the Messiah. Messiah means the anointed one, set apart. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, you, you may have just run past this, as I did, um, but did you catch this early Trinitarian statement right here in this history put out by Luke? Did, did, you, did you catch it? God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Spirit. Do you catch it right there? Dan Brown, <laughs> Da Vinci Code, would have you believe that the Trinitarian belief emerged in a dark, smoke-filled room as religious elites tried to make a religion 250 years later than the book of Acts was written? No. The Trinity is right here. And this is the Trinity announcing victory of the kingdom of light over the kingdom of darkness. So, okay, we'll go back. Beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him, after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and, and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his name. Mm. Jesus is Lord of all. You're the judge, Jesus. You, Jesus, you're the judge of the living and the dead. So say that with me. Jesus, Lord of all, you are the judge of the living and the dead. Can you confess that with your mouth? <laughs> Jesus, Lord of all, you are judge of the living and the dead. And everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone. You say, well, what about those people? You know, them. They don't look like they're so good or God-fearing. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Yeah, but, yeah, but Pastor, you don't, you don't know what I've done. Right? You don't know what I've done. You don't have the whole story. God can't forgive that. I want you to say it with me. Everyone who believes in Jesus. Say it. Everyone who believes in Jesus. Everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name, his authority. Because of what Jesus has done, we now appeal to his authority for the forgiveness of our sins. And while Peter was still saying these things, and I love this, sorry. While Peter was still saying these things, this gospel, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The Holy Spirit fell on all who believed the word. Peter didn't even get the punchline out there. <laughs> the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Spirit fall on us. And then it said, and the believers from among the circumcised, like, wait, 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 that's weird. <laughs> 
We're talking about faithful Jesus people from among the circumcised. Jewish men who were part of the covenant of Israel with Yahweh, who were circumcised, are now here with these Gentiles in the same household. They've come with Peter. And I wonder what they're thinking, right? Well, Peter doesn't wonder at all what they're thinking. He knows exactly what they're thinking. They're about to get their eyes wide open to God's movement among the Gentiles. So while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone, you Jewish followers, you know, circumcised people, what do you say? Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus the Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. Oh, let's learn more, right? And what a feast they must have had. How And how awkward must that have been? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, did that come out of your kitchen? Because you're a pagan. Oh, but... Uh, it's okay because we're brothers now. Oh, this is really interesting. Well, I'm trying to respect your culture and and trying to feed you our food and trying to figure all these things out. That must have been pretty awkward. Um, this, was, this was not a drive-by evangelism. Hey, you out there, you need to accept Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He's the judge of the living and the dead. This is family, right? It signaled the inclusive nature of the gospel to draw all peoples all families on the earth together because he is what lord of say it with me all what a paradigm shift the the spirit the holy spirit in gentiles unclean vessels <laughs> wait this is forgiveness that makes you clean, no longer common or unclean. Forgiveness cleanses you. Remember, even for followers of Jesus, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Make us fit vessels. So let's let's think about two questions. What is the gospel? What's the what's What's the nature of that? And then how did the apostles gospel? How did they gospelize, you know? Or how did they, how did they um, share the gospel? So it, it strikes me that even with the barest outline of what Jesus was doing um, in his life and death and resurrection, and what, what God was doing through Jesus, just the, the power of the proclamation, the gospel, goes out and claims their loyalty, their allegiance to Jesus. It's not just a, oh, um, here's how to be saved, or here's how to get out of jail free, which is the story some of you got. Hey, uh, you don't want to die, do you? You don't want to go to hell, do you? No, no, no. How do I not go to hell? How do I save my skin? Oh, you get Jesus. Okay, I got Jesus. Phew, I'm out of that. No, 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 no. It's, it's the story and how you enter into the story. What's the story of God in Jesus? And then how do I enter into that? Like the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? Now, Peter in his shortened version 
is declaring the gospel according to Peter, right? It's God's plan. It's Jesus' life's work and his death's work. They gospeled with the whole story. So, so just think about this. When we speak of Jesus, we're, we're gospeling. When we speak of him and his life and his love and his death and his resurrection, that's the gospel. There, was, there were seven parts that Peter filled out here, and you could maybe add a few from some of his other sermons. But here, God sent, God sent the message of peace through Jesus. Two, God anointed Jesus with the spirit and power. Three, God was with him. Four, God raised him from the dead. Five, God chose us as witnesses. Six, God told us to preach and spread the word of forgiveness. And seven, he says, God has appointed Jesus as judge. Tom Wright summarizes kind of what Peter's saying. He says, okay, Peter's saying this. Cornelius, the God whom you've worshipped from afar has done all this as a part of his global plan to set everything right at last. And at every stage, Jesus is in the middle of it. God has fulfilled the purposes for which he called Israel in the first place. And you, Cornelius, and everyone who believes this message, you'll receive a welcome at once, without, without further ado, into the family whose home has, written in shining letters above the door, the wonderful word, forgiven. Hmm. So, so there's, there's going to be no more outsiders. So come on in. Come on into the household called forgiveness. Another pesky pastor question, are you ready to be forgiven? Are you? I know your soul aches for it. The guilt, the shame, the piled up, the I could never be good enough, God could never accept me, God could... Are you ready to be forgiven? Are you ready to announce your trust in Jesus? Just say, okay, Jesus, you are Lord of all judge of the living and the dead. Are you ready for the indwelling of the Spirit? That's right. The Spirit comes in, dwells within us. We become then the cleansed temple space for the Spirit of God. Are you ready for that? Now, something I'm concerned about. There is a rise in appreciation of Christian values and morality. Am I concerned about that? Well, no. But the interesting thing is there are atheists, both actual and practical atheists, who are adopting the Christian ethic. You've heard of these people, you know, the Jordan Peterson types who are saying, man, we need to have a foundation, you know, on something. And uh, not that Jordan Peterson's an atheist, but, uh, but I'll say as an atheist, it's hard to build your morality honestly, right? Based on what? There's no God, there's no morality, right? So they're adopting it from the kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus. And, and this is what the concern is. There is a deep desire to have the kingdom without the king. We'll adopt the golden rule, we'll adopt this or that or this or that, but we don't need the king himself. And I'm deeply concerned about this, this morality without the spirit. Values without Jesus himself. I, I, I got to say this to you. The world does not need zombie Christians who walk it out. Oh, I'm doing good. Caring for the poor. Proclaiming my values. Zombie Christians who walk the walk without the real life of Christ living in them. 
they're flag-waving, virtue-signaling, values-championing, spirit-bereft, moral people. <clears throat> when you proclaim your values, let me say it this way, when you proclaim your values, this is what's right, this is what's right, this is what's right, without the fruit of the Spirit, you end up causing a huge mess. It's, it's, it's confusing at best. Like, wait, that doesn't sound Christian. I mean, that sounds Christian, but it doesn't sound Christian, you know what I'm saying? What we end up with is the, the fruit of the flesh. Yeah, my thing, my desires, what's wrong with you? The fruit of the flesh empowered by Satan. Instead of the new creation, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The new creation empowered by the Spirit. So we end up with the fruit of the flesh inspired by Satan. Instead of as new creations being filled with the Spirit. So I hope for you that you're praying for the Spirit right now even to fill you and to empower you. It would be good to do that every single day. The last thing we need is a Christian, in name only, shouting about Jesus' values. In fact, get behind me, Satan. You don't have any idea of what the Spirit of God is trying to do. You may know this from Galatians chapter 5. It says the works of the flesh are evident. He's going to contrast the works of the flesh versus the work of the Spirit, or the fruit of the flesh empowered by Satan versus the fruit of the Spirit in our new creation. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, <laughs> drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, Paul says to his, the churches in Galatia, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Like you're, you're not in the kingdom. You're not going to receive the kingdom. But the fruit that the Spirit produces, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You don't even need a law for these, right? <laughs> no one's going to throw you in jail for that. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to be filled with the Spirit? Will you push away from the dock now? Some of you did that when you believed in Jesus and the, asked the Spirit to indwell you. And now it's time to untie those sails, confess that sin, and ask Him to fill you with the Spirit. I've given you a bit of a template throughout this. You know, you, you, you recognize Jesus as Lord. You ask for forgiveness of sin. You receive that forgiveness of sin. You say, fill me with your spirit today and every day. And then, of course, I would love to follow up with you. But go ahead and do that business with Jesus right now.